Our topic today is what you should know about Alberta's water market. What you should know about Alberta's water market. Uh, Danielle will explain what that all means in just a moment. Uh, Danielle is the Executive Director of the Water Matters Society in Canmore, Alberta. Don't let her Calgary phone number distract you on that. She says she really is from Canmore, and two of her other phone numbers are Canmore. The background to our topic. We all know there are pressures on Alberta's water resources, and they're growing day by day. We can complain about a little bit of rain down here, but it never lasts long, as you know, and the glaciers are all melting away. Limits on water availability have brought about Canada's first market for water, which has been a controversial topic, but is not well understood by many Albertans. The Alberta government is considering changes to this water market, as well as fundamental changes to water use and allocation. Danielle's talk will give you an overview regarding Alberta's current water allocation system, key issues at the table, and alternatives for the future. So who is our speaker? Danielle is the Executive Director of Water Matters Society uh, of Alberta. And if you're searching for it on the website, it, you look for Water Matters, and you're going to find all sorts of Water Matters. But if you put Water Society of Alberta, then you get immediately to their site. And you can read all sorts of reports on watersheds and hot topics such as land use framework, source water protection, water rights trading, etc. Danielle has been working on river conservation since 1995. She founded, uh, when she was in the States, at the Tennessee Clean Water Network, a statewide organization focused on implementation of the Clean Water Act, followed by acting as a policy director for American Rivers Hydropower Reform Coalition in Washington, D.C. Now that she's in Alberta, she, and she also worked for the uh, Southern Alliance for Clean Energy, the National Parks Conservation, and the Natural Resources Defense Council. She was formerly a member of the Alberta Water Council. She holds a degree in law from the University of Tennessee and a Bachelor of Science from James Madison University. And very importantly, she's chair of the Alberta Environment Network Caucus. That's not a government caucus. That's a caucus of 50 environmental groups across Alberta. So don't confuse her and think because she's we're, has caucus in the description that she's a government employee. She is not. She works for the Water Matters Society and is their executive director. Please give Danielle a warm welcome. So I think that um, it's still looking for the video here. Maybe I should do this. I might need some technical. There we go. <laughs> I'll get this started. Well, I really appreciate all of you coming here today to learn a little bit more about some water issues in Alberta. I notice a few faces in the audience who know maybe more than I do, so they might point out some, uh, some additional items uh, maybe during the question session. I hope that I can answer some of your burning questions about water in Alberta. You hopefully will walk away thinking differently about it. We have a unique relationship to water. It's not just simply another environmental issue. We are made of water. 
I like to say that when I'm living in Canmore that I am made up of the Bow River, and many of you are made up of the Old Man River. Everyone knows that it's essential to life, even though we seem to take it for granted. And water is limited. Imagine, imagine the time that was here at the time of the dinosaur. That is the same water we use today, but it is limited. The abundance of water on Earth makes it seem that so much is available, but just 3% of all the water on Earth is fresh. And of that, most of it is ice. So less than 1% of all the water available on Earth is available for human use. Now, Canada, oh, one thing I should mention is that, put another way, 0.007% of all the water on Earth is available to drink. Now, let's go back to that 1%. Canada is considered to be water-rich. We have about 7% of that renewable water supply I just mentioned. Now, Alberta, which boasts 16% of Canada's population, 6% of, 16% of Canada's population, 6% of the land base, 13% of the economic output only has 2.2% of Canada's water. Let me say that again. Alberta has only 2.2% of Canada's water, and 80% of that is in the north. So wait, you're looking at, we live in the driest part of Canada. We are, and many of you already know that, but just to put it in context, this is one of the driest parts, not just in Canada, but in the world. Now, where does our water come from? Well, we know it comes from glaciers, although as a percentage, it doesn't actually make up that much of the total water supply. It actually is a very important source in the summertime. Most of that is coming from snow and from rain. Now, I want to talk for a second about climate change. Climate change is expected to exacerbate the water supply. Some are calling it a coming water crisis. Temperatures in Alberta could increase by 4 degrees centigrade by the 2050s and up to 6 degrees centigrade by the 2080s. A growing body of research says that climate change will reduce the amount of water on the prairies. We're going to see less precipitation of snow. Some suggest that by the 2080s we're going to see 30% less than baseline conditions. Glaciers in the headwaters of the Bow, the Saskatchewan, and the Athabasca have shrunk by 25% over the last 100 years. It is expected that these glaciers will disappear entirely. Increased temperatures will also lead to the evaporation of water. By 2050, it's expected that the arid region, which we are in today, will expand, and drought will become twice as frequent. What we are looking at is a serious drying of the prairies. Now, some are, believe this is a really controversial subject. I would say that the volume of science is in support that we are looking at a much lessened water supply. We've allocated in Alberta 9.5 billion cubic meters of water for Alberta. That demand for water is coming from a lot of different sources. Cities, rural residential, irrigation, agriculture, dams, oil and gas industry. There's just a tremendous number of different sources. Now, industry is thirsty. Industrial use accounts for 28% of the water allocated in the province. Most of that's for power plants. And the commercial sector for golf courses, 
food processing, water for parks and recreation, that's expected to increase by 50%. Now, oil and gas, which actually, many think oil and gas actually makes up a tremendous percentage of the water use in the province. Actually, it only makes up 8% of the water use. Most of that is in the Athabasca region. But between now and 2015, water use for oil and gas is expected to double. And that's largely due to oil sands and the upgraders in the North Saskatchewan. Agriculture is thirsty. Agriculture, particularly irrigation agriculture, makes up the largest user of water in the province, 43% of the total water allocated. This sector is expected to increase by 13% in terms of water use by 2025. In the agricultural sector, it is also expected that water use for cattle operations for stock watering will increase by 46% by the year 2025. And finally, we are thirsty. Let's be honest. As a recent article in the Calgary Herald put it, we are water hogs. Canada has some of the highest per capita water use than any other Western nation. And the only other one that we can compete with is the United States, and we don't really want to compare ourselves with the U.S., do we? Per capita water use in Alberta is between 340 and 350 liters per day. United Kingdom, they are at about 150 liters per day. We have a long way to go. Now, water from the municipal sector is projected to increase. Alberta has the fastest growing population in any province. By 2026, Alberta is projected to be 5 million people. We are currently at 3.5. This will translate to approximately an increase of 25% in municipal use. The city of Lethbridge is also growing. Uh, 2007, there was 81,000 people, and it's projected that by 2030, there will be 110,000 people that live in Lethbridge. So the result, all of this together means allocations over the past 100 years have increased quite a bit. It's not surprising, is it? But the growth of those allocations by river basin is the important thing. This is a, a 1900 allocation map. So basically, in 1900, very, very little water had been allocated for use. But as time wore on, more and more, and the, the colors illustrate more allocation, so by 1960, we had significantly allocated uh, the rivers. And when it's red and it's yellow, it's a pretty high allocation. And by 2005, in the south, 60 to 70%, actually 70, 80% of the natural flows of the, the Old Man and the Bow Basins have been allocated. So we have allocated a substantial amount of the river for southern Alberta, we are headed in that direction in central Alberta for the Red Deer and the North Saskatchewan Basin. Currently, we're about 30% of the natural flows there. And in the north, where there's not very much allocated yet, that's projected to grow. So water supplies are already limited. There's increased pressure, and, they are, and the water supply is decreasing. Now, I realize that's all very negative stuff, so I want to talk a little bit about something that's really positive. I want to talk to you about the value of a healthy river system. Watersheds provide what is now called ecological goods and services. In plain language, that's healthy watersheds provide a steady supply of clean water for people and critters. They are natural filters removing sediment, excess nutrients, harmful bacteria from washing over the land into the water. Riparian areas are productive and can be reliable producers of forage. 
These areas are buffers, an insurance policy, especially useful for a drought and floods. They actually, riparian areas actually filter pollution. This means cleaner drinking water for people and for livestock. It's critical for the critters. While riparian areas right along our rivers make up only 2% of the total land base, they support 80% of the fish and wildlife species for all or part of their life cycle requirements. Life, health, healthy functioning riparian areas require a few things, a diversity of plant species, but also sufficient water flows. Many scientists believe that the, a small portion of flow can be removed without measurable degradation to an ecosystem. It is estimated that anywhere between 65 to 95 percent of the natural flows are needed to maintain those healthy ecosystems. The study for this particular base in the South Saskatchewan suggests that as much as 85% of the natural flows are needed for the protection of riparian habitat. But if you remember, by 2005, 60 to 70% of southern Alberta's natural water supply had been allocated. And without changes, we're heading that direction for central Alberta and northern, and northern Alberta. Now, as of, two, as of 2006, 4.8% of Alberta's waters has been actually set aside for fish, wildlife, recreation, and habitat. Now, while some of the licenses have conditions on them to protect flows, they are far from protective. Now, there, there's clearly a need for balancing. There's a need to ensure there's enough water for economic activity, but it is a matter of balance. And reaching that right balance means understanding the current system of allocation and particularly the emerging water market. So our system of allocation was built on something called first in time and first in right. To help settle Alberta in the late 1800s and early 1900s, there was a need to create a system that didn't just afford water to those who lived next to the river, but also non-riparian landowners. In 1894, the Northwest Irrigation Act vested all property in and right to use water in the Crown and established a system to grant water rights to non-riparian landowners. This first-in-time, first-in-right system ensured that farmers had a secure access to water and established an orderly allocation of that water to those who settled the West. In short, those who received an older water license were granted priority over those with a more recent license. And this is particularly important in times of shortage. And as everyone knows, the system of irrigation was created in order to deliver water to these properties. Over time, in okay, okay. Over time, thank you. Over time, in the South Saskatchewan River Basin, where there is now over 20,000 water licenses that have been issued over 100 years. In 2006, the government made the unprecedented decision that they would no longer accept surface water licenses for three of the sub-basins in the South Saskatchewan. So the Old Man, the Bow, and the South Saskatchewan, there's no more water being issued. Only the Red Deer remains open to water, surface water applications. But it was not simply enough to cap the basin. There's a need to identify ways to get waters to those who needed it, either a new water user or perhaps someone who needed to expand their license. So the government created a tool called the water transfer. Very simply, this allows someone who holds a water permit to share some or all of their water right with someone else. It is a system that has been adopted in many countries, although this is the first water market in Canada. 
to reallocate water. And there are government conditions that are part of this water transfer system. There's been less than 30, unless there's new information, there's uh, been less than 30 transfers. So we have a very limited water market right now. But this system, every single water transfer, is regulated. There is a public process that's associated with every transfer. There is uh, an analysis of what the impact would be to those water transfers. There is um, an opportunity for the public to appeal uh, a transfer if they do not agree with it. Um, the government will evaluate each transfer to look at the impacts on the hydrology. At the same time, many are very critical of this system because basically the water rights were issued for free and now people are turning around and selling that. And that's a very fair comment. But there's also, I mean, just to give, to acknowledge, there's a lot of people who have built a lot of infrastructure, irrigation districts in particular, around these, uh, around water. So it's not, it's, not a, it's not an easy issue. It's, not a, it's more complex. But in essence, this water market is anticipated and expected to grow. It's expected to become more uh, fluid. Uh, there's lots more transfers. There's a need to, some argue there's a need to make the system more efficient. So the question is, does that system work? Well, it depends on what you're trying to do. If you're trying to establish a system for the orderly reallocation of water, the transfer system or the water market, is a well-established way to do that. In other, in other systems, this is how they've exactly done it. It also grants water security to important water users, including those in the irrigation community, who needs to know there's a certain amount of water for farming. But I would argue that if you want to see healthy rivers and a secure supply of water, we're not there yet. The allocation system and the water market currently do not have specific measures to assure that river flows are protected. The broader water allocation system also does not institutionalize setting aside water for basic human water needs. Right now, if a municipality needs more water, they must buy it. And finally, the current system is not adequate, in my opinion, to address times of drought or conflict over water. So the opportunity is, in September of 2008, the Minister of the Environment, <clears throat> Rob Renner announced that the government of Alberta would re-examine Alberta's approach to the allocation, licensing, and transfer of water rights. And here are some questions that I would hope they would answer in the course of this process. What water is inside the market and what's outside the market? How can we best balance the economic environment but protect both? What's the public's role in this? Right now, there's the public actually... I think has a fairly good role, an opportunity to comment, but some argue that that public input is actually bogging down the system. And how do we build some more fairness into the system? And I'm not just talking about the environment, I'm talking about junior water users. There's a number of, of water rights holders that have licenses that were issued after 1950. Those water rights, in general, will not have as much water security because when there's a time of drought, the water that will go to the senior water holders. So I think that there's, there's got to be a way for us to look at that issue. Now, looking into the future, I think we need to seriously consider how we look at water. As you can see here, this is the way we treat it, as if it's abundant and clear and completely 
free and abundant, right? But this is really what most of the landscape looks like. I think we need to, this is, I'm sorry for the fuzziness of this, but I think we need to seriously consider how we look at water. As you can see here, the traditional approach is where we begin to slowly allocate the water, the blue away, the dark blue away, until it's slowly eaten and it's allocated. And that is essentially the river. That's what the ecosystem relies on. So over time, they're gonna, the, water's, the river's going to get less water. But a new way of looking at water would be to look at a system to allocate with, with what's available. And the dotted line basically suggests there's an upper limit of water that can vary from year to year. But there's always a certain amount of water that's left in the system. So I have been suggesting that we actually set aside water that's outside the market. This is something, along these lines, is something to explore in the water allocation review. I don't think the old system has to be thrown out. I've, I've never been out saying fit for is a, you know, something we can't live with anymore, but I think that we have to look at a system that's fundamentally different. In the end, we should also be looking at a system that provides a high degree of water security for all water users in, in the form of secure rights and flexibility. Water allocation review should be transparent, accessible, open to the public, and subject to periodic review. Adapting in to times of, times of drought and climate change. And I think the use of water is a consideration. Right now, the law does not distinguish in the water market as to where the water is going. I think we should. I think we should actually, you should be a consideration. And again, environmental flows out the, outside, outside the market. So now you know. It's time to give water a second thought. Thank you. <laughs>